Yes and amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you guys here. This is the Word of God for us this morning, Mark chapter 11. And we just have five verses this morning, Mark 11, starting in verse 15. This is God's Word. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it. and They were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him. Because all the crowd was astonished at his teachings. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace, your mercy, your kindness. Thank you for the singing of your church, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity we have right now right here to worship you in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, to pause all that we have going on and have a holy moment with you, the creator God of the universe. Lord, you are transcendent. You are different than us. You are unlike us. You exist in perfect holiness and righteousness. And God, here we are. Lord, sinners in need of the gospel. Not only to save us, but to sanctify us and to change us into the image of Christ. So Lord, I think of people who are struggling with cancer right now, who are in the hospital, who are struggling with family, maybe some controversies, maybe some sins that have gone on this week with the mind or the mouth. Lord, may those things get brought to the table this morning to the communion table. And Jesus, may you start flipping the tables of our minds. Start changing us. And God, I thank you for all the people that are here that are Christians. We pray that you would build them up in their most holy faith. I pray for those who do not yet know you as Savior. God, may this be the morning of their salvation. May this be the morning they repent and believe in Jesus Christ. And Lord, may you do a great work. We trust you. We just need to bring people to you, Lord. So we trust you and we bring our own hearts. God, do a great work. Thank you for the work you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning. So glad you could join us uh, for church this morning. My name's Josh. I'm the preaching pastor here at Living Waters. And we're so grateful that you are here with us this morning. We had a great weekend of ministry. And all God's people said, amen. We had fantastic ministries happening Friday, Saturday. And now this morning, we're very blessed um, that you are here with us this morning. So uh, we are finishing our January sermon series entitled Humble Confidence. And my sermon title this morning is Flipping Tables with Humble Confidence. And all God's people said, I'm eyeing that communion table right there. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot of tables around here, so don't you be getting any ideas, especially you type A 
aggressive types, you know, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to clean house this morning at Living Waters. Um, you're you're going to get your moment in the sermon, don't worry. Uh, but we have cultural values at our church that we go through, and this is um, the month of January. So we're setting our theme for this year entitled Humble Confidence. We want this to just be um, the theme that we walk with all year long. So I hope these sermons are helpful. I hope they're building you up. I hope they're encouraging you to walk with humble confidence. I stand by what I said earlier this month that there may be no more important generation than ours for men and women of God to walk with humble confidence in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Like 2024 might be the most important year for us as Christians to walk with humility and confidence in our walk with Jesus Christ. And we are in need of men and women who will count that cost and walk in this beautiful balance of humble confidence. So this month we have seen David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and certainly Jesus. And once again, we are returning to Jesus this week because I want you to look at him I want you to love Jesus. I want you to worship him. I want you to stand in awe of him. And certainly his humble confidence strikes us in our hearts and in our souls because we need to be more like Christ in this arena. So we're going to jump into Mark chapter 11 and certainly Jesus flipping tables at the temple. You guys have heard of this story. I've seen this story You've probably seen this flannel graph in Sunday school. Can I get a Sunday school amen? Yeah. From back in the day, you know this story, but hopefully this story can take on a new life for you and hopefully you can understand it and make applications into your own life. But let's give a little background about the gospel of Mark. If you've never read the gospel of Mark, here's a little bit of background. It was written in the 50s or 60s A.D., We're not sure exactly when John Mark wrote this, but we know he wrote it, and he did it. It's sometimes called Peter's Gospel, because Peter had a massive influence on the Gospel of Mark. Either he was dictating to John Mark and telling him, hey, I want you to write this, this, and this, or he was influencing John Mark with his stories of these things happened, this happened, write these things down. We're not exactly sure. We just know Peter had an influence over this gospel. Now, Mark is an action-packed gospel. It was meant to appeal to the Roman audience that valued action. So in Mark, as you read it, you're going to see Jesus on the move, going and doing, coming and going, figuring out how he's doing his healing and his doing, and it's a very busy gospel. So you're never bored when you read Mark's gospel. And Jesus had just completed his triumphal entry as we approach Mark 11. And he heads into the temple. And in the temple, specifically the court of Gentiles, he comes in to a scene that greatly displeases him. And Jesus, there's no better way to say it, he caused a divine ruckus in the temple. That is basically the summary of this text of Scripture. Now, why did he do that? He did that because he is the high priest from heaven. Amen? And he owns that temple. And he is the greatest high priest. He has the authority to clean out his temple, to clear it, to cleanse it. And that is exactly what Jesus does. Now, this is a hyper-dynamic 
passage of scripture. I'm very humbled. I feel very weak in preaching it in a lot of levels because it is such a dynamic passage. So I'm hoping to do the text justice. I'm hoping to help you understand it in such a way that you won't misapply it. This passage gets misapplied all the time because you read it and you think, maybe I could do WWE wrestling Christianity. Maybe I could jump from the top rope and crush a table. And maybe I could cause a ruckus at a Bible study or a church service. Maybe if I'm worked up about something, I could just be angry and vent at other Christians and say, well, Jesus did it, so I can too, right? That is a really bad interpretation of this passage. And I hope to point out some of the dangers and hopefully we can apply it uh, to our lives in a healthy way. So here's my big idea as we get into the text. Humble confidence is driven to action. Humble confidence is driven to action by a passion for the glory of God. Standing on the word of God for the undistorted worship of God's people. So humble confidence is driven to action by a passion for God's glory. Standing on the word of God. That's very important that you stand on God's word when you're acting like this. And you're doing it for the purpose of undistorted worship of God's people. Worship that is transcendent. Jesus walks into the temple. He is fired up in verse 17. And he turns over the, the tables. And then he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. So Jesus is full of zeal and passion Because the glory of God, the transcendence of God, the majesty of God, everything that the temple should be, it's not because of sin. And that is what fires Jesus up. He's so driven by the glory of God being accurately confirmed amongst God's people that he just goes off when he sees that it's not happening. Now, this would not be his first time that he cleanses the temple. This would be his second time. He cleansed the temple, you might recall, in John chapter 2 at the beginning of his ministry. And now he's doing it at the end of his ministry, right before he goes to the cross. And this would be the step that brings the religious leaders to say, we got to kill this guy. We have to kill him. Jesus shows that he hates idolatry and the commonality that is being portrayed within the temple, which is a love of money. And a love of profit going on in the house where it should be a house of prayer. So this is um, a, a major issue. Idolatry is an issue. And Jesus hates idolatry. Did you know that? He hates your idolatry. Now, wait a minute. Aren't you glad that idolatry is just something that happened 2,000 years ago? We don't deal with that anymore. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, that's sarcasm. Obviously, man, I thought that joke would go way better. It didn't go as well as I wanted it to. But anyway, we see Jesus passionate about the glory of God, the transcendence of God, the majesty of God. And he shows radical, humble confidence in the fact that he's going to do what he did, clear the temple, and bring people to an understanding of who he is and the glory of God, what it should mean. So I'm going to give you three things this morning about humble confidence, and we're going to the communion table. Three things about humble confidence. Number one, humble confidence takes action. 
The first thing that humble confidence does is it takes action. Verse 15 and 16. They came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and he began to drive out those who sold and bought in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he wouldn't allow anyone to carry anything through. This action that Jesus takes is full of humble confidence. Jesus took action. Now let's think about the things that Jesus saw when he entered into the temple. When he comes into the temple, if you know the geography of the temple, there was this outside court called the court of the Gentiles. This is where all the Gentiles got to hang out, worship God, pray to God, offer sacrifices. This thing is not small. This is 35 acres large. And all God's people said, whoa, that's huge, right? Thousands of people would be in this this place. And Jesus comes into this place. Thousands of people coming and going. And instead of prayer and worship, Jesus heard the bleeding of sheep. And he heard the, the clank of coins being exchanged. He heard the temple taxes being talked about. He heard the sale of Passover animals happening. They had turned church into a marketplace. And my wife said, they turned church into a mall. And I said, God help us all. Amen? (laughs) They turned church into a mall. The temple, they were changing money. The priest would not accept Roman coinage, so they had to exchange the Roman coins for for the Jewish shekel. And they also, according to Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, they said that some 255 plus thousand sacrificial lambs were bought and sold during this time. 255,000. That is a lot of transactions happening in a very small place. And Jesus sees this religious circus and he gets understandably upset because it is defiling the word of God and the character of God and the glory of God. It's defiling Jeremiah chapter 7 specifically. And so he takes action. Now, Gentiles who are hoping to connect with God, they were hoping to connect in this place If you were a Gentile, you came to the court of the Gentiles at great cost and great time, right? They had to travel sometimes very far distances just to get there. And when they got there, they found a market instead of a worship center. Now, those of you who have traveled lots of places and have done long car rides, you know how annoying a long car ride is. Can I get an amen? I had to drive to Missouri and back. Yes, yesterday. You know how hard it is to drive into Missouri? Super difficult. And five hours down, five hours back, 10 hours on the road yesterday, and a partridge in a pear tree, right? I wanted to flip over some of those college tables. I can tell you that right now. When they said, hey, your your college might cost this much. And I'm like, nope, where's the tables? I'm going to start flipping things over. But listen, the Gentiles, they were required to travel a long ways. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts? Remember him? He would be an example of the many Gentiles who would be coming to the temple to worship God during this time. And what instead they found is just pure idolatry, plain and simple, money and profit being the main culprits of what Jesus saw when he walked into this temple. Everyone was trying to make money and profit and Jesus starts throwing people and animals and tables out of the temple. And the word drive out means to throw with violence. So I want you to think about a quarterback throwing a pass that's a zipper, right? Straight through, okay? 
Jesus was doing that and he got a whip of cords and he starts driving the animals out of the temple. This is an intense moment. He took action. This is what humble confidence does. It takes action. Jesus, as the high priest of heaven, came to drive the merchants out. And if you think about how many merchants would have been upset with Jesus, how many individuals would be angry at Jesus Christ for turning over their business and telling them to get out. And it says in the scripture, the amazing thing is God gave Jesus the ability to hold them all off. This is the power of God at, at work. Now, this violent action is not a normal habit of Jesus' ministry. Most of the time, Jesus is very compassionate. He's very teaching-driven. He was very personable. He was very conversational. But at this moment... Something triggered in his mind that the holiness of God, the transcendence of God is being violated and he took serious action of courage against this idolatry. And I would say this is what humble confidence does. Humble confidence takes action. This is what Jesus still does today. He takes action in our lives. Can I get a witness, right? If you are a Christian, Jesus has taken some action like this in your life. He has come into your heart and soul, and he has started flipping tables over. Can I get an amen? <laughs> You've been saved. Jesus had, there was that moment in time where he starts just flipping your whole world upside down. He starts exposing your idolatry, and he saves you, and he doesn't care. He's not concerned nor apologizing for bringing you to faith in Christ. And I would say sanctification is also the continuation of that journey. If you're a believer in Christ, there are things right now in your heart that Jesus is flipping tables over, isn't he? He's doing new things in your life. There's new categories that he's stretching and pushing, and he's pushing idolatry out of your life. And this is how it is. Now, I want to say this again. An application of this point as we move into the next one is this. Just because Jesus flipped tables in a temple does not mean that you need to start flipping tables at your church or at a store or at a school. You are not Jesus in this passage. I'll say it very clearly again, because some of you are like, I want to do this. I want to, I want to start flipping stuff over. I want to start making a ruckus for God. You're not Jesus, okay? You are not Jesus. You are to bring people to Jesus and let him flip the tables in their lives. I fully expect this morning that Jesus Christ will be flipping some tables in this congregation. But I don't have to do it. Jesus will do it, right? And that is the key application. You don't get to be at the pro wrestling event flipping tables over, this is my kind of Christianity. Some of you really want that. You really want to just cause a ruckus in your voice to be known in every room that you're in. And I'm telling you, that is the wrong application. Humble confidence does take action and it is taking as many people as you can to the foot of Jesus Christ and letting him do the work, not you, okay? In fact, Christianity in most gospel-centered circles is weakness on display. It's my weakness that shows God's strength, right? It's our weakness that shows the power of Christ, not our strength. Humble confidence takes action. We bring people to Christ, and he does the action. Number two, humble confidence stands on God's word and God's heart. Humble confidence stands on God's word and God's heart. Verse 17, 
He was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. Humble confidence stands on God's word and God's heart. When Jesus got everybody's attention with all the table flipping and all that stuff, Jesus was teaching the people, he quoted Isaiah 56, verse 7, and Jeremiah 7, verse 11. And certainly his actions, we know from Scripture, inspired the disciples to remember Psalm 69, verse 9, zeal for your house will consume me. And Jesus appeals to the word of God, and this is humble confidence. Jesus doesn't throw an emotional tirade just to be emotional. He brings the word of God very clearly, very specifically to the right group of people at the right time in the right way. And I want, to, I want us to stand in awe of this because if you think about the context of Isaiah 56, Isaiah 56 tells us this beautiful chapter of scripture where all the Gentiles, God wants them to come to the temple to worship him. And his temple will be called a a temple of prayer for all the nations. That is what Jesus wants. That's the specific verse he knows he needs to quote to this crowd. Jeremiah 7 verse 11 says this, If you would honor God and this temple, he will honor you and this temple will be a great blessing. But if you don't honor God, he will turn this temple into a den of robbers or a cave of plunderers. Now, isn't it cool that Jesus Christ stands on the word of God? Isn't that awesome? That is good. Let me just start by saying that. That is a wonderful thing and a wonderful evidence of humble confidence in your life when you stand on the word of God. People don't care how emotional you are. They don't care what you're saying. They care that you bring the word. Now, when you're upset, when you're angry, how many of you are thinking through verses of scripture when you're angry? right when we're super fired up it's really hard to process God's word this is why Jesus' humble confidence is so amazing he's fired up he's zealous but he is bringing scripture which shows humble confidence in who God is it's amazing humble confidence is this now in the midst of this how, how bad was it in the temple what kind of markups are we talking about here Why was Jesus so upset? Why do you have to bring the word this way? Well, in those temple Gentile courts, pigeons were being upmarked, right? They were being increased by ridiculous percentages. So they mentioned the pigeon, so I'll just use the pigeon as as an example. If you bought a pigeon on the streets of Jerusalem for 50 cents, you would come into the temple and they would say, oh, well, that's a beautiful pigeon you brought in to, to sacrifice to the Lord. You know, unfortunately today... That pigeon is just not going to be good enough nor clean enough for the temple sacrifice. Luckily for you, we have just a temple-approved pigeon right over here. Would you look at that? And this pigeon is going to cost $5. And I know you bought it for 50 cents down the street, but this is the one you're going to have to have, $5. This is what I call airport economics, amen? (laughs) This is ridiculous. Like, what kind of economic idea do you have here? Yes, pigeons, $5. You bought it 50 cents, $5. That's how much it is here. Does anybody ever buy stuff at airports, by the way? I mean, my goodness. I look at that stuff and I'm like, no, this is not real life. This is not real life. I don't want to buy 
cologne for $8,000 today. <laughs> Currency exchange rates from Roman coins to temple shekels was at least 15%, if not more. So this is the greatest ripoff of all time. It's not about God anymore. It's all about money. This is why Jesus had to bring the word. This is why he was so upset. He brought the word of God. Humble confidence brings the word of God. Secondly, he not only brings the word of God, but he brings the heart of God. Jesus could have quoted a lot of verses from the Old Testament. Did Jesus know his Bible? Yes, he wrote it, right? He wrote the Bible. Of course he knows it. But he brings specific verses at specific times that glorify him. It's one thing as a Christian to know the Bible. It's another thing to know when to use the Bible and which Bible verses to use. Can I get a Christian amen, right? Y'all have been in that meeting, right, where someone has knowledge and they're just firing Bible verses at you. And maybe you've been the person firing Bible verses at another person and it just totally flops. You're like, whoa, what's wrong? What happened? Maybe you gave the wrong verse at the wrong time in the wrong way to the wrong person. To have humble confidence not only means that you memorize the Bible, it means that you know which Bible verses to bring. That's when the power of Jesus shows up in someone's life is when you bring the right verse at the right time, in the right way, for the glory of God. That is the power of God. Some of you Christians need to hear this because any legalistic fundamentalist can memorize a bunch of verses and spit them out that's not humble confidence, that's arrogance. But to know the right verse at the right time. Isaiah 56 verse 7. Jeremiah 7 verse 11. Right here, right now, Jesus, you bring it. And I've had that moment so many times in my own life where I have landed the right verse at the right time and it's been amazing. I've also had the very humbling moment when I've landed the wrong verses with the wrong heart at the wrong time, and oh God, forgive me for those moments. Humble confidence brings the perfect passage at the perfect moment. This is to bring God's word and God's heart. This is what Jesus does. This is what we should do. This is what we should do for each other as Christians. Thirdly, humble confidence is a magnet. Humble confidence is a magnet, verse 18 and 19. The chief priests and the scribes heard it. They were seeking a way to destroy him for they feared him and all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. Humble confidence is a magnet. This is the shortest point of the sermon and this will lead us into the communion table. Jesus' glory on display in this dramatic way caused reactions from people. The crowd loved Jesus. They were astonished by his teaching. The religious leaders... They were repelled by it. They were ready to destroy him. This was the thing that put them over the top. Now, Jesus, in a lot, in a lot way like magnets do, he attracts and repels. Did you know that magnets sometimes can attract to each other and zoom, like this, right? Depending on how you arrange the polarity of the magnet. You can attract a magnet to each other, or if you flip it around, you know how those magnets go. It's like... And, and many of you, like, have tried to push those magnets together. You can't do it because the polarity is repellent towards one another. Now, this is how Jesus is. The crowd was magnetized to Christ. The religious leaders repelled by Christ. Luke 19, verse 48 says the crowds were hanging on his very words. 
The religious leaders were ready to kill him. Reminds me of Simeon in Luke chapter 2 when he told Mary, this man will cause the rising and the falling of many people. Do you remember that? Luke chapter 2 verse 34. Some are going to rise at Jesus Christ and believe in him. And Mary, some are going to fall on him. Some are going to be repelled by him. And when Jesus displays his glory, there is no middle ground. There is no middle ground. If you and I had been in the temple that day, we would have been like, oh, oh, oh my goodness, look at what is happening. And, and there would be no neutral reaction to Jesus because he's going to go no matter what. We have to decide how we're going to respond to him. Adam Ramsey, in his excellent book, Truth on Fire, says this. Have you ever noticed that in the Gospels, when people encountered Jesus as he truly was, they never responded with a shrug of indifference. People wondered at him and they worshipped him or they picked up rocks to stone him. They either went great lengths to be near him or get rid of him or rid the world of him. Jesus' humble confidence in this passage is magnetic magnetizing the crowd and repelling the religious leaders. Jesus is still that way. Amen? He either attracts you in or he repels you away and there is no middle ground. And as I close my sermon, I can say this. You can love Jesus. You can hate Jesus. But don't be a fool and think you can be indifferent towards Jesus. He never gives you that option. You will either love him or you will hate him. And humble confidence is this magnet. Jesus Christ draws people in. And for those of you who are saved, he already drew you in, right? There was a moment in time when you saw him and he magnetized you to himself. And some of you here are not saved yet and he, you've been repelled by Jesus. He keeps pushing you away. But here's the reality. You can't be indifferent about him. So as we go to the communion table, humble confidence is driven action by a passion for the glory of God, standing on the word of God for the undistorted worship of his people. So as we close, here's just a little gospel thought. Jesus cleansed the temple, right? He did it twice. He did that temporarily. Rome would come in in AD 70 and sack the whole place and burn the temple to the ground. But think about what Jesus did through the gospel. Through his cross and resurrection, Jesus Christ created a new temple in the hearts of the people that would believe in him. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, you are the temple of the living God. Have you ever thought of that before? Your heart is the temple of God. And Jesus is flipping tables all the time in your soul. That's what he does. Now, you're either magnetized to that or repelled by that, but the reality remains unchanged. The Holy Spirit is at work every time the gospel is shared. So we're going to the communion table. This is sacred ground for Christians. This is the most important moment of your week, probably, to have this time with Jesus. It's a time of remembrance, a time of confession of sin. If Jesus is flipping tables in your life and you've got things to work out, now is the time to do it. Confess your sin. Be reconciled to God. For some, it's a time of salvation. Communion is a time to get saved and repent and believe in Jesus. 
And it's also a time of worship. So as I pray, I'm going to pray. We have four communion tables, two in the back, two in the front. Don't flip them over, please, okay? Don't flip them over. You're going to have a moment to go up and get the elements, the bread and the juice. Go back and sit at your, ta- at your chair and do business with God. If, if Jesus is working in your life, it's time to talk to him. Maybe it's reconciliation stuff. Maybe it's confession of sin. Maybe he's flipping over tables of money and profit and pride in your life. Maybe it's time to confess some things. Wherever you're at, this is a, is a time. This is your time with Jesus. If you don't know Christ, you can stay at your chair and just receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what we would encourage you to do. But this is your time. I'm going to pray to open us up. We'll have our time together. Uh, Grab your elements. Wait for us at the end, and then we'll partake together as a church. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this powerful passage of Scripture. Jesus, we thank you that you took action that day in the temple. And Lord, you're still taking action in our hearts and lives today. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a proper, not only understanding of of this passage, but Lord, help us to work it out for your glory. Lord, you are the God that flips tables. You're the God that loves the glory and the transcendence of who you are. Lord, help us to stand on the word of God. Lord, help us to land the, the right word at the right time. And Lord, may you land the right word at the right time in our hearts this morning. And God, we know that Jesus is a magnet to some. He's a repellent to others. But Lord, no doubt there's no in-between with Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that we would humble ourselves this morning, worship you for who you are. Lord, I pray that we would make decisions that would honor you. So Christ, take us to the communion table by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.